good, everybody. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and this is episode number 27, the Dante Johnson edition. What's up, Levin? Dante Johnson or Levin Black edition. This was my football number, and it's my favorite number. 27 is your favorite number? The day of the month I was born on, and then when I played football in fifth grade for the first time, it just happened to be my number, so it kind of cemented it. And what position was fifth grade Levin Black? <laughs> I was a safety and a tight end. Those were my positions in fifth grade. Then in sixth grade, I moved across the river into a different school district. And that year, I remember I was new and I started out on like third string defense and I was always the starting tight end. I was always a tight end for some reason. But I was third string defense as a linebacker. And by the end of the year, I was on first string and third string defense. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what happened was the defensive coach was out. He had like throat surgery or something. I don't remember. You know, I was in sixth grade. I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know he was gone because (laughs) it was my first year with that program. And then like literally the halfway through the season, he comes back. And I remember one practice, like his second or third practice, he was like, why is this kid on third string? And then from then on, I was on first string. What is your greatest slash most impressive football accomplishment? Not a whole lot because, so for people to understand, my dad was a high school soccer coach throughout most of my childhood. He quit when my brother got to high school and he was three years older than me because he didn't want to be coaching his sons because then, you know, his sons can't get any credit. It's just because they're the coach's kid. Due to that, he made me quit playing football after sixth grade. Football was always my passion. It was always my favorite sport. Like, I just loved football. It was mentality-wise what fit me better because I was a very aggressive, smack-talking you? athlete. Yeah, like no. I, I, was, I crossed lines. <laughs> uh, I did some dirty things, let's put it that way. But I loved football. And uh, my dad, he... He used to love to brag about soccer and how physical it was and that there's actually more concussions in soccer before concussions blew up and became like a big thing. But then when it came to me playing football, his rule was once I hit junior high, I'm not allowed to play anymore because it's too dangerous. So I wasn't allowed to play after sixth grade. Okay, but you didn't answer my question. What is your greatest football accomplishment? I'm not even sure. Nothing. Like I, I do remember getting sacks as a kid, as a linebacker, because, like, you didn't have any, like, clear, this is your designated role. You know, it wasn't advanced that far in in sixth grade. It was, here's your position, play to the best of your abilities, you know. And I remember whenever they didn't pass, I would just rush. And at that time, nobody can block. Like, who's good at blocking? And I was a big kid. Like, I I was always like much taller than everybody else. I was six foot in seventh grade, and then I stopped growing completely. <laughs> That's still pretty good. I, I'm still six foot. Yeah, I'm still That's six taller foot, than but, me now. <laughs> but yeah, so I was a really big kid. So I used to just rush, and I I do remember getting a handful of sacks once I got on the onto the first string defense. Third string defense didn't play much. Did you have a sack dance? No, like. I was even, even in soccer, like if I scored a goal, I was, I don't know, it's weird. And I, I've often looked back thinking like, why, why was that? Because when the play was going on, like I said, I was smack talking. I was doing all sorts of things. I was very physical. I was extreme. I was always the vocal leader on my team, like barking out orders. I was captain all the time. 
But the moment I scored a goal, it was just like shut it down, and I just ran back and celebrated all. You everybody else celebrated. Right? Yeah, like, and I don't know why it wasn't like I purposely thought it through. It was just like the moment it was over, or there was a break. It's like, all right, just go back to my spot. <laughs> See, this is why you need to rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You get this kind of inside info slash nostalgia from Levin. Now we know that he was a football player, a soccer player, and a blackjack dealer in North Dakota. <laughs> I played all sports. Basketball was probably my second favorite. By the way, I used to play basketball every single day being an Indiana kid after school. Like, every day. And then? And then everybody caught up in hype. <laughs> and that was the end of your basketball career. <laughs> I was career. no longer the big brute that could dominate on the inside. I was the normal-sized kid. I mean, I still I was capable of playing in high school, but I never did because our high school coach was a former Purdue assistant, and he believed basketball was a year-round sport. And when it came to going to 6 a.m. practices and weightlifting for basketball during soccer season, uh, my answer was kiss my ass, and his answer was you can't play on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and so ended Levin Black's athletic career. <laughs> All right, let's get to a couple different things because you had an idea this week that at once I saw it was pretty – first I wanted to tell you you were crazy, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, damn, he might actually be right. And it's about Kyle <laughs> Shanahan and the quarterback situation. So we're going to get to that. We're going to get to – the Sam Darnold situation, because there seems to be some smoke around that and Kyle Shanahan. And then there was uh, an article from Matt Barrows in The Athletic about Nick Bosa and something about his ACL injury that might make some 49er fans pucker a little bit. So we're going to get to all three of those things. But let's start with your Kyle Shanahan idea, Levin. I don't know how you come up with these things, but I think it was sparked by something that John Lynch said in his Hall of Fame press conference going back to the draft of 2017. Here's John Lynch. Play the John Lynch. Okay, so you heard Lynch say that, Levin, and that made you think what? It made me wonder how much of the 49ers quarterback issues are 100% Kyle Shanahan issues. And I, it, it, that was the just the original thought. Like, how much of this is Kyle Shanahan? So I started thinking about it more. I was actually sitting at work when I had all this happen. So I had plenty of time to sit there and think about it because if you guys don't know, my job is like a Homer Simpson job where I literally sit in front of screens and don't have to do almost anything. Like occasionally something might happen and then, yeah, it's all hands on deck and it's like crazy, you know, things going on. But like 99% of the time, I'm just sitting there staring at computer. So I have plenty of time to think, plenty of time to mess around on the computer. So I sat there thinking about it and I was like, you know, the more I think of this, the more I do think it's Kyle Shanahan, the more it kind of connects all the dots. And like we assumed before that quote that they just didn't like, at least my thought was they just didn't look at the quarterbacks in that draft, that they were set on getting Kirk Cousins in a year. So they weren't going to do their due diligence a whole lot. They were just going to look at it a little bit, but they weren't truly considering it. And then you see that quote and while it's not as bad as it seems when you're uh, reading it, I think listening to it or especially looking at the video of it, like it, it's not as much of a throw Kyle Shanahan under the bus, but 
it does show that they saw Mahomes and John Lynch thought he was going to be special and said, hey, we should reconsider. Now, whether they truly did reconsider and they came to an agreement that, no, we don't need to go quarterback, we don't know. And we will probably never know. But you would have to think that they should have reconsidered. And obviously, in retrospect, they definitely should have reconsidered. But Kyle has final say. That's widely believed. I guess it's never 100% been confirmed, especially when it comes to... Right, it's confirmed, but it's not officially confirmed. And when it comes to the draft, we don't know how, how what the power struggle is there because the draft can be different. Sometimes the coach gets final say on the 53-man roster. He gets to make the final cuts, but he doesn't necessarily get to say, this is the guy we're drafting. So we don't know exactly what the power struggle is there, but it's widely believed Kyle Shanahan has final say on everything. And if that's true, that means it was ultimately his choice to say, I hear what you're saying, John. I don't care. Right. We're still going somebody else. We're not looking at quarterback. And there was that report from, I think it was Matt Miller of Bleacher Report at the time. There was a report that there was some tension in the front office because Kyle wasn't necessarily listening to some of the scouts and what they said. Now, Grant, we don't know that John Lynch came back from Mahomes pro day and was pounding the table for him. Maybe Kyle said, hey, how did he look? And maybe John said, yeah, he looked pretty damn good. And that was the end of the thing. Like, we, we don't know the specifics of that, but so, okay. So now what is your thinking on this, on the quarterback situation going forward? So you have that decision, and then you have the fact that he was so dead set on getting Kirk Cousins that he doesn't look at other options. And to me, that is incredibly naive. And as I said in the article, very amateurish. Because you don't count your chickens before they hatch in football. Like, yes, it might have seemed likely that Kirk was coming, but there's no way to 100% know that. You don't know if you come to the table and say, here's $30 million a year, which at the time would have been record-setting. I think he ended up getting like a short $35 million a year deal. But you don't know if the Niners came to the table and said, hey, we're going to sign you to a long-term five-year deal at $30 million a year. And Kirk goes, well, hey, I got this $35 million deal, and I'm willing to risk it and just play on a two-year deal. And the Niners go, hey, we're not paying that much. Like You don't know what can happen. You don't know when a player falls in love with with some other situation. So counting on that just seems so amateur to me. And you have the fact that the Niners were picking number two, and that was a draft that it was known that Cleveland was going with Miles Garrett, which means you had first choice of any quarterback in the draft. So to say that you you pretty much can, were, not, were not going to look at quarterbacks at all going into that draft just blows my mind knowing that you were going to get first pick. And then you go – Further on down the line, he took C.J. Beathard. That was a very big overdraft at the time it happened. He was taken in the third round, and like for my article, I pulled an old quote from ESPN saying that this was a guy not expected to go to the late round. So it's kind of interesting that they not only took him, but they traded up in the third round to take him. So that just keeps bringing me back to the idea of, does Kyle Shanahan know how to find the right quarterback? You know, there's... he wouldn't be the first person that is phenomenal at at creating something. You know, he's phenomenal at creating an offense, but he might have a blind spot at at finding who can run that offense. He might value the things that aren't actually that valuable and not look at the things that are more valuable. And I think that is very much what has happened. We've seen his tendency and his tendency is to go for more of a cerebral quarterback who doesn't have crazy athleticism, doesn't have, 
a crazy arm, can't make these crazy spectacular plays that you see other people making. And that might be a mistake because those plays are a lot of times the difference. And see, that is an interesting point because I think that we sort of assume, well, Kyle's a really good offensive coach. He's really good at game planning. He must, be, you know, he must be able to scout and find quarterbacks. And that's not necessarily true. Those are two totally different jobs. You know, it's one thing to be able to take the abilities that a quarterback has and design a game plan to maximize those abilities. It's another thing to be able to look at a guy playing in college and say, he has X, Y, and Z skill that I think will transfer over to the NFL. And Kyle's never really had to make a quarterback decision before. They've all sort of been handed to him because he was never the head guy. You know, he had Matt Schaub. He had RG3, which he he and his father didn't want RG3, and they still got him, and they still turned him into the rookie of the year. You know, he had Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Again, didn't pick the quarterback. So we don't really know what his ability is when it comes to picking the guy. Uh, now, hopefully, whoever they wind up with is, you know, a guy that he can maximize their ability. But it's not a crazy thought to think that Kyle might not be the best guy in the 49ers organization to make that call. And that was my overall final point, was that the final say when it comes to figuring out who to have as the quarterback of this team should not rest with Kyle Shanahan. It should be John Lynch or even Adam Peters. I mean, he's basically the head scout. I think he's technically what team... Vice president, Vice president player, personnel. player personnel. Yeah, yeah. So like one of those two or those two in combination should make the final say like, or you could even do those three and it's majority rules. Like I don't think Kyle Shanahan is good at picking his quarterback, which is not to say that he's not. I think he's a great coach, especially X's and O's. He obviously has a very, does a very good job of winning over a locker room as the team is still incredibly loyal despite three se- losing seasons out of four. And I think he's really good at talent evaluation at other positions. I mean, he has, I think he's really good at finding the correct wide receivers for his system. Yes, Dante Pettis didn't pan out, but that was Dante Pettis uh, more so than his actual skill. Talent-wise, Dante Pettis had the talent. I don't think there's any argument for that. It's that he doesn't have any fight in him, and you need that in the NFL. And obviously running back, he's great at picking, finding diamonds in the rough, like, it's not to say that Kyle Shanahan is terrible at all talent evaluation. I just think in terms of the quarterback, he values the things that he shouldn't have. Here's the the trouble, and it's why and I kind of can't blame him if this were the actual case. He knows that his success and failure is tied to the quarterback position. If he didn't know that coming in, he sure as hell knows it now after three, like you said, three losing seasons out of four and a quarterback that can't stay healthy regardless of who it is. So he knows he's got to get this right. It's it's a big ask to say to him, yes, this decision is that important, but then expect him also to leave the decision up to someone other than him. Because I'm sure the fear is late at night when he's in his bed staring up at the ceiling, what if they pick the wrong guy? What if I don't get my guy? What if they choose someone that I don't think is the right guy and then I'm stuck with him and we don't win? Yes, but we all know... <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Like Kyle Shanahan is not going to be the first head to roll if True. heads need to roll. John Lynch is going to be the scapegoat. If things don't start turning around, they don't start winning consistently, John Lynch is going to be the scapegoat. That's all there is to it. Like we know that. So I would throw it back in your court. If John Lynch is going to be the first head to roll, shouldn't he also get to make the choice? It's his head on the line, not Kyle's. 
Well, that is true, but does Kyle want to sacrifice essentially the year or two years that it would take for John Lynch to get canned? Because, I mean, you look at the state of the 49ers roster. I was talking with Akash about this off the air yesterday. Like Debo Samuel, after next year, is going to be up for a new deal. George Kittle is going to be another year older. Nick Bosa, after next year, is going to be up for a new deal. Like, you know, the state of the roster will change every single year. A couple years from now, they might not be in that Super Bowl window when John Lynch would be the guy that would be getting fired. So that's another thing that Kyle Shanahan has to consider. That is true, but it's not like Kyle Shanahan won't have input. I mean, he's still going to have a lot of input. He's still going to be giving his opinion. It's just maybe the final say shouldn't rest with him because his final say led to C.J. Beathard. It led to passing on all quarterbacks when the Niners had basically first choice of quarterback in a draft that ended up having two crazy good uh, potential MVPs that were taken in the top half of the draft. Like that, It's not that he doesn't get to have input. It's just that maybe if there's a tiebreaker needed, it should rest with John Lynch or Adam Peters. If the 49ers ended up with Miles Garrett in that draft instead of Solomon Thomas, do you think that we would be as critical of Lynch and Shanahan for not taking Mahomes or Watson? No, but, I mean, that has a domino effect. If they get Miles Garrett instead of Solomon Thomas, they are likely too good to pick number two overall and get Nick Boza later. Like, there's a domino effect to that that Miles Garrett elevates them to the point of being probably in the back half of the top 10 or worse, almost guaranteed just because you're going to have a good pass rush. So your team, even without the quarterback situation solved, is going to be like this year. You're going to be picking around 12th. Which I think they're way overvaluing the 12th pick. I I think they think they're going to get like a Hall of Famer, which they, of course, they could, but... I don't know. I'm a trade draft picks for for proven players kind of a guy. Uh, to me, I think it's it's the smart play, especially with the with the window that the 49ers are in now, with a chance to win the Super Bowl. I think there was a, the lines that came out the other day. Kosh said the Niners have the fourth best odds in the NFC to get back to the Super Bowl next year. To me, you need proven players if you're going to do that. You can't take the risk on rookies in the draft. Yeah, I truly, honestly believe and I've been saying this now for a couple months, that they view Jimmy as a good enough fallback option to where they don't have to go all in on somebody. They don't have to overpay to get somebody. I think they're looking at that 12th pick saying, if one of the quarterbacks we want falls to the 12th, great, we'll take him and we'll move on from Jimmy or pair them together and you know may the best man win or, or whatever you want to have that scenario. Or that 12th pick is so incredibly valuable because if there's not a quarterback there that you want you can trade down and get an extra second round pick by moving down say 10 spots like that that's not just the 12th pick to them that represents a first round pick and a second round pick or the chance to get a quarterback on a cheap deal and that to me i think because they know jimmy is there as a capability they're willing to not overpay and if they're there at 12 and there's no quarterback they're okay with going with jimmy and trading down and getting multiple early picks to shore up other areas. Yeah, and actually, uh, Todd McShay's latest mock draft, for the first time ever, they actually allowed trades, and he had the 49ers trading down with, I want to say, the Bears, which would be 20. 
So he had them trading down with the Bears, picking up uh, an extra first and second. I think I, I don't remember the specifics of the deal, but it co- goes along with what you're saying that, you know, if they didn't like any of the quarterbacks there, they could easily package that and sort of get more picks, which is something that they've obviously talked about. Kyle has said multiple times he thinks this is like the most important draft that they have had there. So they are definitely looking to replenish the roster. The other quarterback rumor, the latest quarterback rumor, I should say, that's been going around is that Sam Darnold is apparently picking up steam as a potential for the 49ers. I talked about it with Akash yesterday. I hate it, Levin. I absolutely hate it. What has Sam Darnold ever done to show you that he is anything better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Because I look at Darnold and here's what I say his biggest problems are. Staying healthy and turning the ball over. And that's exactly what the 49ers have now with Jimmy Garoppolo. So why would I give up any assets to get another Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, I think we're going to fall on opposite sides here because what I was going to say is I look at Sam Darnold, and if you take him out of the situation he was in, which is with Adam Gase, who's a terrible, horrendous coach. Agreed. And he had the worst possible receiving group, I think, in the entire league. Agreed. Because they didn't do anything after losing their mediocre ones to free agency the previous year. So if you put him on a team that has good receiving options, give him that dominant coach. I think in the situation with that, his actual skill and talent level, I would put on par with Matt Stafford. But I'm oh, also the one guy. No way. Look at Matt Stafford. He hasn't done crap and he's had great receivers. He has Matt put up Stafford. very mediocre. Very mediocre. He he hasn't gotten the results win wise, which you can say that's on the team. It's like, okay, but shouldn't he also put up some really impressive numbers? Because he doesn't. He, he didn't put up impressive numbers, and he didn't win. Like, I think Stafford, talent-wise, is on par with with uh, Darnold. I think you're crazy. Stafford is, has a rocket for an arm. He's got one of the best arms we've ever Darnold seen. Has, Darnold and is Sta- capable of making spectacular plays. Yes. Like, if you watch yes, the Jets games, he makes a spectacular play here and there. The Jimmy absolutely is not capable of making. And I think overall, if, if they get Darnold, let me put it this way. I think if the Niners get Darnold, the Niners will end up getting better results out of Darnold than the Rams will get with Stafford. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm willing to take that. I agree with you that Darnold does flash some impressive ability. There was that one play. I think he broke like a 49-yard touchdown run where he juked out a linebacker and took it the distance. It was awesome. The problem with Darnold is his floor is also way lower than Jimmy's floor. He makes some horrible plays. Some just like dumb, like what was possibly going through your mind when you attempted this kind of a play. And I don't think Jimmy has that. Jimmy makes some bad interceptions, but not the not the horrible things we've seen from Sam Darnold where you're like, how did you even think to attempt this ridiculous thing? I will, I'll say this. I think his floor is not much worse than Jimmy Garoppolo because if you, like I said, if you adjust for the situation he was in, which is literally about as bad of a situation as you can possibly come up with, one of the worst situations for a quarterback, I would argue, of the last like 10, 20 years, if you adjust for that, he looks like a quarterback playing at about Jimmy's level. I don't know. Like, have you seen his numbers? His career numbers are not good at all. Even if he's 20% better with Kyle Shanahan than he was with Adam Gase. Like, 
is that really that much better? I mean, he's never even thrown for 20 touchdowns in a season before. He never made it full through a full season, if I don't. If I believe, other than maybe his rookie year? No, he's never made it. He's played 13 games every year. Well, he played 13 his first two, and last year he played 12. Like, come on, man. I'm just saying, like, I think if they get him, he will end up looking as good or better than Stafford in L.A. I think I think Stafford's going to be a monster in L.A. I really do. Like, I... I think, well, first of all, he has to because they really have kind of put all their eggs in that basket. But I just think that Darnold has the same problems that Jimmy has. Even if his ceiling might be a little higher, we got to get away from that. We need a guy that's going to be on the field. And you can't depend on Jimmy. And to me, you can't depend on Sam. Am I being unfair? I think you're being a little bit unfair. I mean, I, I get it. Darnold is certainly a risk. And of the quarterbacks out there, maybe Wentz is the biggest risk just because of the contract. But it, Darnold is a big risk because you don't know for sure that he can do it. He hasn't shown to be able to do it yet. So it is a risk, but I think it's a worthwhile risk. And I think he would end up doing well here. And I don't know if you remember, but I literally mentioned Sam Darnold as being somebody I would target if I was the Niners back in like late October, early November, when it became clear the Niners are likely going to want to move on from Jimmy. You have been on the Darnold train. You have not been on the Stafford train. From the beginning, you were against that. I have to admit, you. I don't want to make it seem like you're changing your flip-flopping now. That's <laughs> always been your position. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, Matt Barrows had an article in The Athletic talking about Nick Bosa's knee injury and Solomon Thomas, but who cares about him? Nick Bosa's knee injury, and there was something in there that – that made me pucker a little bit. I did not like what I read. We'll talk about it next. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. Okay, Levin, I saw an article today from Matt Barrows in The Athletic talking about the surgery and recovery of Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas. And in the article, he says that it wasn't just a run-of-the-mill ACL injury, that there was some other stuff. And they didn't really get into detail about the other stuff That is not what I want to hear when we're talking about the 49ers' most important or second most important defensive player. Yeah, I do find that concerning, and I'm kind of surprised it didn't blow up more on Twitter and social media. I think it kind of people kind of missed it because I look at it this way. Nick Boza, as great as he is, he was already somebody that, in terms of speed and getting to the quarterback, was already on the lower end. Like, He is not a speed rusher. He is a very, very good technique guy with crazy strength for for an edge. That's that's what he benefits from. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't be effective still, but we already saw multiple sacks going back to his rookie year that he didn't quite finish because the quarterback was able to get away from him and outrun him. Like he he already, I don't don't want to say athletically, he's on the lower end because there's a lot more to athleticism than just speed. But he was on the lower end in, in terms of speed. So if that zaps some speed from him, that could become an issue where he's not quite able to finish the sacks even when he gets free. So Barrows talked to the doctor that did the surgery. I don't want to say his name because I'll get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Dr. Neil Elatrachi. Sorry about that, Doc. If I, if I butchered it, I do apologize. 
But the article says that he couldn't go into detail about Bosa and Thomas injuries, but he said the damage was more extensive than a simple tear to the ACL, which means their recoveries may take longer. Now, the good news, according to the article, is the doctor's at the top of his field. He did Jimmy Garoppolo's knee also, which seems to be fine. He seems to be recovering without an issue. He's done a bunch of others. Um, I The thing that was interesting about this is they said basically like they know how to fix an ACL, like the the carpentry of it, you know, the nuts and bolts, like they've got it. Now the focus is on like the recovery. And the thing that he mentioned too is like, so we have nerves in our knees that sort of tell us, tell our brain, like what position the knee is in, what kind of stress you're putting on the knee. And when you, when you tear your ACL and you hurt your knee, those nerves get damaged also. So part of the recovery is trying to repair those nerves and and becoming conscious of how you're moving and the stress that you're putting on the knee. It, it's interesting. I I don't want to this is hard to say because it's so far down the line multiple years from now. But if this is something that's affecting him, like if it's something like oh he has pain there and he's just going to have to deal with it type thing like a cartilage issue, do you give him the massive second contract? I, I think that's a legitimate question, depending on what we see next year. Like I said, this isn't really a conversation yet. you got to see what he looks like next year. But if he doesn't look quite the same, he's a little bit diminished. Even if he's still, like, great, he's just a little diminished. I think there's a legitimate question of whether you exercise the fifth-year option and then let somebody else pay him crazy money. Because by the time he gets his contract, a top edge is probably going to be pushing $25 million a year. And the thing that even the article points out, too, is which makes this even trickier. A lot of times when guys tear their ACL, they really don't feel like themselves and come all the way back until the year after they return, which would be when Bosa would be getting that new deal. So, you know, he might maybe he does look a tick slow or just not quite himself when he comes back next year. But maybe he will be all the way back the year after that. And of course, the 49ers will already be having to make a decision on whether or not to give him uh, a renegotiated deal by that point. I mean, it's something to watch. This isn't the first knee injury for Bosa. This isn't the first injury for that either. I mean, he had had the uh, injury in college as well. So, I mean, I, I think Bosa is at the point that if he suffers another injury during his rookie deal, I would not be in favor of paying him. It's yeah, I mean, it's going to be that the Bosa situation is going to be really interesting because I could see him coming back being great and the Niners signing him and, and you know, he'll have a long career in San Francisco. And I could also see it kind of going the way of DeForest Buckner, where they let him play out the deal. And then when they cannot, you know, they just get to the end of the line and they move on and, and trade him and get a bunch of picks. It could easily go either way. Another interesting thing I saw in the article is that Cooper Cup, who also tore his ACL said that he thinks he's faster now than before he tore the ACL because part of the recovery, according to this article, is you learning that maybe the way you run and the way you move is putting stress on your knees because it's not the most efficient thing that you can do. So then if you go through this rehab and you then learn basically like a more efficient way to run and move, that you actually could be faster just because you're you're running with the proper form, which could be, I mean... It's a long shot, I guess, but I guess the possibility is there that you could even be faster than before you had the injury. I mean, for a wide receiver, sure, but a defensive end doesn't really just run out in the open. I mean, 
he's constantly fighting somebody. So it's not like he can concentrate on his running form, you know, because he's basically having to push. So you just all of everything I just said, basically. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting (laughs) that you didn't address him as soon to be free agent Cooper Cup. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. But I do know the Rams need to get down underneath the cap after the Stafford deal. And they have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, both on big deals. You know what I heard? And uh, this is something that you've said, but I didn't really put it together until I heard Chris Sims and Mike Florio talk about it on Pro Football Talk. Because you've talked talked about there's going to be good players on the free agent market because the cap is going down. And what Sims and Florio were saying basically is that with all these guys on the market, and teams with not as much money to spend, it's possible that we see essentially kind of like super teams for next year because all these guys are going to say, you know what, I can't get the money I want. I'll sign a one-year deal with a team just to you know get through the year. And then next year when, te- when the cap goes back up and all these teams have more money, that's when I could really cash in. So maybe we could see a lot of recruiting going on and a lot of kind of super teams, guys flocking to places like Los Angeles where apparently – Players were already texting Matthew Stafford saying they wanted to join him or like Tampa Bay with Tom Brady since they just won or even Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Like we could see kind of NBA type player movement. You know, I hadn't thought of this until you were saying that. How much does the quarterback situation affect the ability for the Niners to recruit? I think it's huge. If they go with a rookie and I'm one of these free agents, that's going to have to take a smaller deal and just go try to win a championship and then hit the free agent market when the cap goes back up. I'm not going to a rookie quarterback. It's a Same lot. time, I'm not going to – Sam Darnold would not be as enticing as another quarterback safe area like Tampa, like Kansas City, like you mentioned. Or even, like, what is the opinion around the league of Jimmy? Because it certainly doesn't seem that high. So even Jimmy might not be good enough to be able to recruit that that type of people. Yeah, but you know what? With Jimmy, you can say he's done it. Like you might not think he's great, but we've already done it with him. So you know he can do it because we did it already. That's his saving grace. You know, if he hadn't gotten there, if if they had lost to the Vikings or, or lost to the Packers, I would totally agree. But at least his saving grace is, look, when I'm here, we win, and I've gotten to a Super Bowl already. And that, I think, does resonate with people. Now, maybe it's not the strongest case out of the teams you mentioned, but I agree that that's a factor that they have to consider when they're deciding whether or not to go with Jimmy or somebody else. And I think that's that's an underlying topic that could become a big topic once free agency starts. And I will say this. I think free agency, yeah, it will probably start off with a bang because these teams and players already negotiated their contracts. So there'll be a couple big moves, but I think it's going to be like a baseball free agency has been the last couple of years where it just stalls and it sits and nobody's able to set the market because it's such a weird cap situation that nobody wants to be the team that goes out there and pays big money and everybody else gets these super great deals at the end of free agency when players are like, well, I got to sign somewhere. I'll just do a one-year deal. Like I think that we could see a situation where a lot of these like good starting caliber players, maybe not pro bowl caliber, but still quality clear starters sit and don't get the multi-year deals because no team's wanting to commit to the type of money they want because they would rather sit and wait and sign some guy right before training camp 
for pennies on the dollar. If you were a free agent and you said, hey, I'm going to sign with the with an NFC team, how would you rank the teams that you, you know, your confidence in the teams in the NFC to make the Super Bowl? You're talking one-year deal or multi-year deal? One-year deal. One-year deal, it's got to be Tampa at the top, I would think. Okay. I mean, it, it kind of depends on what Tampa does with some of their free agents. Do they get Godwin back? Do they get, what is it, uh, Shaquille Barrett or, or who? Shaq Barrett, yep. Shaq Barrett is a free agent. If they get those guys back, they got to be at the top. Now, if they can't get those guys back, I, I think they take a hit. Um, and then after that, I mean, I I would personally probably put the Rams number two. I I think okay. they're they have a, not even a generational talent on defense, a all time talent on defense. And Aaron Donald, the defense is really good. They have Jalen Ramsey, who probably is the best corner in the league. I mean, he, he's certainly in the discussion. I would probably choose him as the best corner in the league. And they have the best player at defense the league has seen maybe ever on the defensive line. Like the defense is going to be fine. And if you're a defensive player, you get to join and have those guys take all the attention. If you're an offensive player, you're getting McVay. You're getting a quarterback situation that's already settled. They have good op- weapons and options. Like to me, that that would be an ideal situation. After that, I think it gets really murky after that because you have Seattle continues to win every year, but they're clearly not a championship level team. They're just being propped up by a great quarterback, but yet they have a great quarterback. But then at the same time, that quarterback's not happy. So it's, I think that's an interesting one. The Niners are obviously there. The only question mark is the quarterback situation, but that's as big of a question mark as you could possibly have. Yeah. Like if you I don't know outside of those four teams. I mean, if you're thinking about it and you're a free agent and you've got John Lynch on line one and Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM on line two, like, I don't know if the 49ers are ahead of the Packers. The Packers have gone 13 and three the past two seasons and played in the NFC championship game in both. Yeah, Packers, I should have mentioned. I didn't think of them off the top, but I mean, they're certainly extremely attractive because they have Aaron Rodgers and they have pretty much the pieces in place. I think their biggest question mark is the coach. I mean, I don't think it's any question that uh, LaFleur, while he's a good ex in those guys, I mean, he kind of shit the bed in that game in terms of the actual coaching decisions that ruined that game. I mean, the, the situational coaching, I guess you could you could say, like, that that's a legitimate question. God, he's not going for it on fourth down. I'll never understand it. But that's what I mean, like, it's I go back and forth because in my head, like, I think the Niners have an awesome shot to be in the Super Bowl next year. But then when I look at it like that and sort of stack the teams in the NFC, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not sure they're as close to the top as I as I sometimes think. So I, I sort of go back and forth on those two things. I mean, it's interesting. If I'm a cornerback, I probably have the Niners at the top because they have a clear need. So I know I'm going to get in and I'm going to have great opportunity. Whereas, like I mentioned, if you go to the the Rams and you think you're this great cornerback, you're never going to get the full credit because everybody's going to say Jalen Ramsey. You know that all oh, Jalen Ramsey's just taking away the best guy. You're only you know you're not having to go against the best guy, even if it ends up you are going against. You know what I mean? Like people are just going to create a narrative, so you wouldn't get the full credit if you go to the Rams as a cornerback. 
It is going to be so much fun. I keep saying it over and over again. Like, I think this offseason is going to be fascinating. And to be honest with you, seeing a bunch of guys sign a lot of one-year deals, like, that could be a fun, just kind of a fun, you know, mix it up kind of a year in the NFL. We usually don't have that. It's not like the NBA, but for one year, I think it could be kind of a fun thing to experience. Uh, if the if the Niners get some of those one years, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if it's, if it's, you know, Arizona or the Rams or Seattle get to load up or even Green Bay gets to load up on these one-year deals, it's like, oh, crap. I want our shot. All right, let's dip into the Niners Nation mailbag. They put it out on Twitter. We were looking for questions, so let's take a couple. This one comes from at Niners Today. Rumors are the 49ers will have interest in Aaron Jones, which is true. I have seen that myself. Is he a viable option for us this offseason? This is one of those questions of uh, would I personally pursue Aaron Jones? No, just because I don't think you need to pay a running back a lot, especially in the system. Do I think the Niners might kick the tires on him? Yeah, I guess they probably could, but this is another one of those questions you have to know what the Niners regime is thinking, and nobody knows what they're thinking, and I do mean nobody, because there are no leaks with this front office. The only leaks you see coming out of the Niners are from agents and players themselves, which is why a lot of times they're wrong. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of, a lot of the sources that have been out the last, what, three, four years with this regime have ended up being wrong. So it's impossible to know where the Niners are. I will say of all the top free agents out there, Aaron Jones is the guy that constantly pops in my head as the most likely to not get the money he wants and is sitting around and ends up taking a cheap one-year deal. Not necessarily cheap, but you know, like I could see him doing like a one-year $10 million deal because he because he can't like who's gonna pay a running back crazy money in this market? Like running backs are already hard enough to get their money. And now you have a suppressed salary cap. For some reason, the 49ers always seem to be sniffing around running backs. Remember, there was that rumor they were going after Le'Veon Bell also. Like, I don't get it. They're so good at finding running backs. Raheem Mostert was on the scrap heap and he's been a stud for them. Jeff Wilson, another guy like nobody ever heard of him, appears out of nowhere and has played great for the team. Even Jamichael Hasty last year in limited duty looked okay. Like as a third string running back, you're okay with Jamichael Hasty with with very limited cap room. I don't know why the 49ers would want to spend it on Aaron Jones, but they definitely I have seen that rumor out there. So that was not a crazy question at all. You know, you mentioned one person. And it made me smirk because I had the thought just last night to myself, and I wasn't willing to put it out there because I know what the reaction is going to be, but I guess I'll I'll do it. I could see Le'Veon Bell on a like vet minimum deal. He has not looked good the last couple of years, but the potential is there, and he has kept himself in great shape from what it looks like, from what we've heard. Like I could see the Niners kicking the tires if no market developed for Le'Veon Bell, which I doubt there is. I mean, he literally didn't get a single carry in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I could see the market being like Le'Veon Bell is just looking to have a chance to make the roster somewhere. And if that's what it is, like I could see the Niners saying, come in, try to earn your spot. I will say he would fit perfectly with the team. A guy that can carry the ball, but also catch the ball out of the backfield. Like basically like Jet McKinnon, except actually good. Well, maybe. <laughs> like I said, he has not looked good the last couple of years. Certainly seems to have lost the speed, and he was never a speed guy. 
but the potential is still there. Like I said, he he's not really that old yet. I mean, he's getting up there, but he's not that old yet. And he's not taken a lot of hits this past year. So maybe he looks rejuvenated next year. How about LaShawn McCoy? Speaking of guys that didn't play, he's got back-to-back Super Bowl wins and didn't play a snap in either one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he did less than like Robert Ory. <laughs> Wait, Robert Ory Maybe actually that. hit some big shots. Yeah, you know what I mean, like Robert Ory was a role player who won seven titles. He hit some big shots. I mean, there's a reason why his name is Big Shot Rob, but like Sean McCoy is uh, maybe you sign him and hope you're three times in a row. How about this one from Don T. Matter? Is Lynch going to keep playing it safe or take a swing at Watson? And I ask that because the 49ers have not made high risk trades. They've made trades with draft picks, but none of them were really like, man, if this doesn't work out, we're really going to be hurt by this. And I don't know that you can make that kind of a deal to acquire a quarterback. I think you're going to have to take a big swing and and push your chips into the middle of the table, so to speak. Yeah, the Niners are kind of in the shitter get off the pot. And uh, they have been there for a couple of years and they have still not chosen to do anything. Are the Niners going to take a swing at Watson? Well, I'll say this. I think they're going to bunt towards Watson, which is technically not taking a swing. They'll make an offer. I am sure they've already made an offer, but it's going to be an offer. Houston goes, no, I'm not interested in. And the Niners are going to have a limit to what they're willing to pay that is below what Houston wants. See, but that's that's, the thing. That's their MO. They do that every time. But to get a quarterback, I don't think you can do that. Like Akash said it on yesterday's show. I thought he was so right. To, to make a deal for a quarterback, it's got to hurt a little bit. It's going to have to because other teams are going to want that quarterback. So to win that competition, you're going to have to experience a little pain. And the 49ers, like you just said, don't seem willing to do that. No, they're looking for somebody to do them a favor again like Bill Belichick did. Like the Jimmy Garoppolo deal fell into their lap. The Patriots did not want a bidding war. They did not sit around and wait and try to get the biggest offers, leak things out there to try to increase the offers. They literally called the team that they thought were best suited to actually make Jimmy blossom because Bill Belichick didn't want to destroy his career by trading them somewhere like Cleveland and said, here's Jimmy Garoppolo on a silver platter. Just give me a second round pick. Like That's not going to happen again. That's the unicorn situation. That was a fellow coach doing you a solid, which, quite honestly, Bill Belichick should have created a bidding more and should have gotten all that he could for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, you're not getting that again. He easily could have gotten more than a second-round pick from whoever he dealt him to, that's for sure. All right, last question, and I'm only asking this because I see this guy's name a lot in the questions that are coming in. This one from at HPS1947. Do you see Jalen Hurd making a contribution this year? It is incredible, Levin. I'm seeing Jalen Hurd questions all over Twitter. What do you think? Is Hurd a possibility? Possibility, yes. Likelihood, not very good at all. Like, he hasn't played football now in, what, two and a, two and a half years? Like, by the time the season comes around, I guess I should say two and a half years. Like, I loved that draft pick. I was as excited for that draft pick as any in, in the Niners – this regime's history like the last four drafts but at this point when you sat out two straight years due to injuries the likelihood of you still being a physical freak 
which is what Jalen Hurd was, is not good. Look at Jet McKinnon. Physical freak came back, uh, pretty much a shell of that physical freak. Jalen Hurd was a guy that was unpolished as a receiver. He had transitioned from being a running back. It was expected he was going to be just an offensive weapon, had a long way to go in his route running, and he has not been able to do anything to work on that. And on top of that, he's probably not going to be a physical freak anymore. There's a possibility he is. I hope he is. Like I was really excited, like I said, for that draft pick. It's a guy that literally started over Alvin Kamara in college as a running back. Like That's pretty exciting. But <laughs> at this point... Like, don't count on anything. Is like if you get anything from him, it's the cherry on top. Yeah, I think the sort of expectation or hope for him that he was kind of like a poor man's Debo Samuel, like you know maybe a little less as a wide receiver, but as a ball carrier and a guy that could make people miss and and do things in the open field. That he, that was really where he was going to shine. Um, but you just can't count on that. You can't go into this season being like we're good at the wide receiver position because we've got Jalen Hurd, especially if Kendrick Bourne leaves, which I think he's going to. You know, you can't just say, oh, check that box and we're good with Jalen Hurd. So hope, yes, but I, I'm not and I don't think the Niners are depending on anything from him now after what we've seen. You know, a couple of things that you brought up there. One, I think wide receiver is the most likely position the Niners sit and wait on and get one of those cheap one year deals because like they don't need a top guy. They have two good receivers. But they would like a vet, I think, there. Two, I don't see a market developing for Kendrick Bourne. So I, I I would say like he is one of the guys out there that in a normal year might be able to find a multi-year deal that pays him a, a, some amount of money, you know, four or five million dollars a year above like a minimum deal. This year, those are the type of deals that aren't going to be found. Like I feel like I, I think I said this like a month or so ago. I feel like this market people are going to want to save their money to pay the true big difference makers. They're not going to want to spend any money at all at the marginal, you know, clear, good uh, depth guy. You know, they're not going to spend four or $5 million on a Kendrick Bourne when they need that couple million to, to spend on a true top level guy, like, you know, a Godwin or whoever. This, and forgive me, I don't know the answer to this question. The 49ers signed Travis Benjamin last year to a one-year deal, and he opted out. Does his contract, like, is he, is he a free agent now, or do the Niners have his rights for another year? I actually don't know. I believe they have his rights, but I I don't I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think he's going to have much. I mean, he was already a guy that was bouncing around on teams, and now he sat out of here. But I do believe, pretty confident, I would have to look it up to be sure, but I'm pretty confident they own his rights because I remember there being something about that when he opted out. So, I mean, they, you know, who knows if he's part of the picture at wide receiver, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Heard, I would love to see, especially because I always have a soft spot in my heart for guys that the Niners have drafted. They always feel like, I don't know, like your guys kind of a thing, but yeah. we will see. There's a lot more questions, but we have reached the end of the road, Levin. Thank you very much. Again, we want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We will be here with you always. And remember, it is going to be a fun off season. Don't listen to smarmy, condescending 49ers beat writers and you know who you are, it's going to be fun. Just sit back and embrace it. And with that, go Niners.